The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Where he even joked about it recently that his slider was like, I think he called it a booty call. Like he's not sure when it's. Carmen DeFalco, ESPN 1000, Carmen and Yurko and the Odds Couple. You were on last year. You're back. It's awesome to have you back on. Good to be back. All right. So I'm going to kind of keep this more White Sox because uh, that's your team and they're the best. They're the better team in Chicago right now. But uh, so 51 and 35, they're eight up in the AL Central. I would say more or less what you would have at least hoped for, maybe expected before the year, but not the way it's the way it's been going is not what you would have thought with all these injuries right yeah no for sure i mean you you line up all the injuries they've had or stack them on top of one another and i i don't know that i would have believed that they'd be 16 games above 500 it would have seemed i don't know i guess that there's some pessimists in all of us as sports fans and you would have heard that three months ago and go well there's no way they'd have 51 <laughs> wins at the break it is kind of remarkable but uh that's why organizational depth is important and they've worked hard to sort of build what they do have. Um, it's the deepest organization they've had, the deepest uh, in terms of talent, you know, across some of their levels that they've had in probably 20 years. And so it's, it's paying off. Uh, it's paying a big dividends right now. You know, I mean, I, I don't think any of us could have probably imagined that they'd be in this spot um, with all the injuries they've had. I mean, the only thing you might say is, oh, the division probably wasn't going to be very good. Yeah. And it's not. And Cleveland's had its fair share of injuries too. I mean, the two big losses in their starting rotation are a little bit much overcome. And they hung around for a while, but I, I think it's caught up to them. I mean, you know, coming into tonight as we do this, they, they've lost nine in a row. So um, they've hit the skids. And I think all the injuries that they've had in there, there's certainly the two key ones in their starting rotation have come back to really hurt them. Yeah, Minnesota has just been awful, awful this year. I did not see that coming. Yeah. I mean, I figured they've been pretty good the last couple of years, and all of a sudden they've just gone just south fast. But I was curious, how much of the early success for the Sox do you attribute to La Russa, or are you still kind of juries out? I know he had some bumps here or there in the beginning of the year, but what's your view on uh, La Russa so far? I think that the the – most of the credit should be going towards Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, to be honest. Like I said, building a system that's got some depth in it. And, um, you know, that, that is the direct result of being very bad for some time, but then, you know, hitting on some draft picks and developing guys, you know, like finally coming up with a uniform way throughout your organization from every level, from Arizona fall league, all the way up through AAA, where, you know, you're kind of teaching, preaching, teaching and preaching one thing. And, you know, this is the way we're going to try to play. This is where we're going to try to win. Um, I think we've seen guys come up and be ready, uh, which is important. Um, how, I, I was never a fan of the Larissa hiring. I, I'll be honest; I don't know that I ever will be. I, you know, and you don't have to agree with me. That's fine. I know there's older fans that probably love every minute of this and think we only didn't like it because of his age. That's a big part of it. Sorry, he's there's never been a man. What he's the second oldest manager in the history of the game. Uh, I think some of the missteps early in the season. Um, are a direct result of that. Um, you know, has Tony done some good things? Yeah, like he still knows how to handle a bullpen. He was revolutionary in that regard. And I, I think that, you know, I, I won't pin some of the struggles they've had in their bullpen on him. I don't think that would be fair, but I'm not going to sit here and sing Tony La Russa's praises. Sorry, uh, if you don't like it, I don't know what to say. 
I, I, my mantra all along, or my, my mantra, but at least what I've said all along is they're, they're talented enough to win in spite of him. And if yeah. they win it all at the end of the year, great. I'll be very happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after uh, before the season started, he had a decade off from managing. So I kind of figured, like, he's probably going to, I mean, I, not that he would forget how to manage, but like anything, you're going to be rusty or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, I'm sure he'll be a little bit better. But yeah, I thought it was a weird hire. I think we all figured that when we first started hearing about that last fall, I was like, really? This isn't going to happen. I never would have imagined that when the first reports came out. I thought there's no possible way. But apparently Jerry Reinsdorf wanted to write some 40-year-old wrong, which is sort of odd because Tony La Russa went on to be one of the great managers of all time. I'm not sure what he thinks he owes Tony La Russa, who's already in the Hall of Fame. But that's exactly. Yeah. It's weird that he's is already in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. so with the, uh, with the Sox, obviously buyers at the deadline. But I was wondering, what are you maybe hoping that they would do? And what do you think realistically they might end up doing? I think uh, probably an arm for the bullpen, you know, right-handed arm and uh, uh, righty for the bullpen and probably a second baseman. You know, I, the news on Grandal is not great, but it's not the worst that it could have been. So maybe, it, you know, maybe uh, the calculus changes a little bit here and, and Rick's looking for some catching help and a backup catcher. Um, maybe they feel out Zach Collins for, you know, well, you've got this weekend, then you get the break and maybe right out of it for about a week and see how that goes. Um, and maybe that helps them decide what they want to do uh, fast approaching here at the end of the month on July 30th. But I still think the plan all along has kind of been, let's get a righty for the bullpen and let's get a second baseman because they know they're not getting Madrigal back. That's the one they know they're not getting back. And I think they'd like to upgrade that position if they could. And you should add, I mean, they don't have to overreact to anything. They don't have to be held hostage by anyone. They don't have to give up anything they don't want to, to be honest, because they're in a great spot. Um, they're going to go to the playoffs because they've got such a big lead in their division and nobody else in the division is any good. Uh, but then you still have your eye on being as good as you can possibly become October. And I think teams in this position are always going to add a little bit at the very least. And I think that's what they'll do in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Wasn't it the 05 team just added like Jeff Blum and that was pretty much it. <laughs> well, how much that uh, mattered too. Yeah. Those little tiny things sometimes make a big difference, but yeah, I mean, it's like these little minor ads. It doesn't have to be, Gliber Torres for Orvis Chapman. I mean, it's not always going to be, it's never going to always be Clint Frazier for Andrew Miller. And those two teams met in the world series. It doesn't necessarily have to be that might sometimes be that, but it doesn't have to be. And I don't think the Sox are going to make any sort of deal like that. I don't think they have to, I don't think they have one glaring weakness like the Cubs had in 2016 when they added Chapman, would they like a second baseman? Yeah, I think they would very much. But I don't think it's such a glaring weakness that they're going to have to uh, overpay to rent a player. So uh, I would assume they add a, a guy or two um, in the next couple of weeks and they'll go from there and they know they're getting some of their guys back healthy. The Aloy news today was great. I mean, he's starting the rehab assignment tomorrow. That's great news. Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say, I know that, you know, earlier in the year they had the unsung hero in your mean Mercedes carrying the team a little bit and now you got, like you said, Eloy is coming back. He's got the rehab. Uh, Luis Robert, I think, is going to be back. Well, before Should the season be. ends anyway, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you just hope that those guys, I mean, among everybody else, but especially those guys, Eloy comes back, hits the ball, doesn't, you know, he'll have some time to kind of get his, his swing or his game back before the playoffs starts, it sounds like, at least. The best thing that's happened is Andrew Vaughn has proved to be a capable yeah. left fielder. I mean, you know, he hadn't played that position, I think he said, since high school. That's incredible. I mean, he's done an ample job out there, and that makes a big difference. And I think 
You know, it's it, your meme was a great story. You're right. Um, I think we knew all along it was not going to be sustainable. Maybe we didn't expect him to fall to the level that he fell to, but that's the cold, hard reality of professional baseball and how hard the sport is. So, you know, uh, without him, who knows what would have happened early in the season? I mean, he definitely helped save their hide early in the year with the start he got off to with Aloy being hurt and then Robert getting hurt not too long after. But uh, yeah, I mean, maybe this gives Aloy an opportunity to really kind of ease his way back in. Don't get him hurt in the outfield. Let him DH a lot or the majority of the time. And uh, Andrew Vaughn can continue to play left because he's done, he's done an adequate job out there. And that that's one of the biggest revelations of the season, I think. Yeah, yeah, and I think with Eloy, it'd be funny if he was just the uh, like the DH in the postseason, kind of like Schwarber, and goes on yeah. that run or something like that. Come back DH exactly, and make a world, and they make a world of difference, you know. And they didn't even have that luxury until they got into the World Series, obviously the Cubs. And uh, it, it, but for the for the Sox, it's going to be you know like the, his his bat if he's what we expect, if he's healthy and he comes back and he's Eloy. I mean, that's impactful. That's exactly what they need. And again, they could probably protect him a little by not having him play the field a lot. I know he wants to, and and that's fine. All guys want to play every day, but I don't know. I mean, I think Andrew Vaughn's done a pretty good job out there. And Aloy just, there have been too many close calls. And then there was what happened in spring training. It makes me think you don't need a repeat of that. Certainly not in the short term. So they'd probably be better off letting him DH as much as possible. Or just, I think it was last year, he fell into the net in the outfield. (laughs) There's been, I mean, this has been going on for three years and I say we, we've joked about it. It's yeah. I've, I've put it on Twitter a lot. We've talked about it on the show. It's a little tongue in cheek, but at the same time, I'm like, this is not a good trend. I mean, the guy doesn't know what he's doing out there. He's got no feel for, you know, the warning track is supposed to warn you that the wall's coming. He certainly doesn't know that it's scary. I mean, he's had one too many instances. And then what happened in spring training is, was, really bad. I mean, to be trying, uh, attempting to play like that in a spring training game is crazy. Uh, and so maybe now he's like finally learned a valuable lesson and he understands, look, I'm not going to be a great outfielder and he doesn't really have to be, nobody's asking him to be. And maybe he knows now just be careful. If the play's there to be made, make it. If not, just make sure you don't turn a single into a double or a double into a triple. Like that should be it. There should be no, I'm going to be Barry Bonds in left field because it's not going to happen. And he needs to be smart about that and think about his long-term future a little bit and his health and sustainability. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so how do you view Liam Hendricks? Because he is an all-star, so he's having a good season. I think I saw just before we started recording that he has the seventh most saves in White Sox history before the all-star break. So I just feel like, though, for the most part, solid season so far i just feel like i've heard i was talking to i don't know if you know casey Bogoslaw, but he's a big socks guy he's a big twitter socks guy and uh when i was talking with him about a month or so ago he was like yeah good season but he could be better or i expect a little bit better so how do you view uh hendrix so far i do think that it's uh he's been a little bit more of a high wire act than i would have expected but he has been really good it's weird i i think we we have a tendency to think, okay, the closer's coming into the game and it's going to be one, two, three, and it's not necessarily that easy. You know, I think a lot, I think fans walk and teams walk the high wire with closers a lot with some rare exceptions, you know, like prime Jonathan Papelbon, maybe, or prime Kimbrel or even Kimbrel this year, because he looks to be prime Kimbrel again. 
or prime Mariano or prime Trevor Hoffman. I mean, that's probably when you were a little bit more at ease game in and game out. I think those guys are probably more of the outlier as good as Hendricks been. There are going to be moments where he even joked about it recently that his slider was like, I think he called it a booty call. Like he's not sure when it's going to show up, you know, sometimes it's going to be good. Sometimes it's going to be bad. He had some sort of beautiful metaphor about that recently on our post-game show with Connor McKnight or on our pregame show with Connor McKnight. And so even he realizes that at times it hasn't been pretty and it hasn't been perfect. I thought it was real good the other day in Minnesota. And that was a nice sign. I mean, that that's like, that's one of the old fashioned call that the man save. I mean, that's uh, you know, two innings. I think he had four strikeouts. Billy Hamilton helped him out with a spectacular catch, but like that was great stuff. I mean, that was, that was good looking Hendricks, you know, and I think you just have to sort of live with that. Um, he's, he's as good of an option. I think as look, he was the best option available. Okay. And that's, that's why I always felt good that the Sox did go out and get him. Um, he's the best they're going to have for the rest of the year. And I, you know, I am most of the time pretty confident that he's going to get the job done. Sometimes he gives you the agita and the chest, you know, you feel it, but most of the time, uh, you know, he's getting the job done. So it's good. Yeah, and I feel like maybe some people look at the contract or, yeah, in general, I just feel like these days, closers outside of Kimbrel, maybe, I mean, outside of guys like Kimbrel so far this year, but they just seem dominant. And we've, we, yeah, it is problems just the last few years. But, you know, oh, I think yeah. back to, like you said, Mariano Rivera, for instance. I mean, the guy was automatic every single game. And it's just, you don't see that kind of consistency. Now, I, I know he's, the, the bar is super high with a guy like that, but it's just, it just shows you how volatile that position can be. So it's, you know, like I said, Hendricks is still having a really good season and he, he could probably be better and he probably will be better once that time comes. But hype and contract plays into it. You're right. Well, I mean, yeah. it just does. It's, you know, you, the, the hype machine gets rolling the big contract. And then I think people think it's going to be easy all the time. And it's, and it's just not. And yeah, sometimes like you're watching the game going, oh my God, like this is getting too close for comfort and what's wrong with Hendricks? Well, there really might not be anything wrong with him other than it's a tough demanding position. Um, and there is a lot of volatility uh, year to year with closers and with bullpens in general. It's like the hardest thing to to project year to year in baseball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so Carlos Rodon, is he the best bargain in baseball this year, considering the contract he signed, $3 million for one year, and now he might be maybe a Cy Young candidate or something like that? The guy's been insane. He's up there for sure. I mean, you know, to think that, you know, it looked like his White Sox career might have been over when the offseason started. And he's back here just trying to prove it. Like, I, I, I'll. Sh that's why I love what he's doing so much. You know, he he's easy to like. He's gone through a lot. And I think it's, we find it easy. I think as fans to rally around those types of players and those stories. And yeah, I mean, it looked like his white Sox career was over, but he want, he's out to prove that, no, I was the number three overall pick for a reason. And he, and he's proving it and they'll have a decision to make in the off season. And I guess cross that bridge when you get there. Right. But uh, it's so rewarding. I think for stocks fans, it's reward. It's I can't imagine what it's been like for him. He's tried to explain it and describe it. I don't even know that he can. But it's been, I think, extremely rewarding for the franchise to see him produce the way he's produced. Hopefully that continues into the second half. And I think it's been very rewarding for the fans who always wanted to cheer for him and always had these high hopes. But it was very frustrating and disappointing, whether it was struggles or injury, uh, a combination of both, It's especially the last couple of years. Like, it was really disappointing. And that's what makes this so satisfying, I think, right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I was thinking if he keeps up even – 
most of what he's done so far in the second half. I am curious what that next contract is going to yeah. look like. It's going to be a huge jump. And then Lance Lynn, I was kind of surprised when that trade happened back in the offseason. Uh, but he's been, he has a sub two ERA, I believe, right yeah. now. It's the other guy. Lowered it below two, I think, yesterday. Uh, he, yeah. I mean, you talk about a guy that's easy to like. I mean, there's there's nothing to not like. The, the beard, the physique, you know, the... The, 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 the gyrations, the screaming, the shouting. Yeah. I mean, like the MFs, you know, like it's just, it's, it, he's fabulous. I mean, he's just, he's old fashioned, come get some, you know, yep. and, and he's really good. I mean, that's the other thing, you know, you're talking about a guy that I think was what top seven each of the last two years, top, top six or seven each of the last two years in Cy Young voting. Uh, like he's been, he's been really good and he's pitching as, as well as he's ever pitched in his career. And it was, that's another one of those, you look at Rick and Kenny striking that deal and the impact that it's had is just absolutely tremendous. And he is easy to like, he's easy to root for, and he's really, really good. And I don't think people ever maybe fully understood or appreciated just how good he was. And it's, you know, is this, is, is this stuff ever going to look like DeGrom's? Um, no, it's not. But like the guy knows how to pitch and he can get guys out and he's super motivated and he's super hungry and he's super intense. And he is the complete package um, in terms of likability and success rate right now. There's there's nothing to not like about Lance Lynn. Yeah, two of the best starters that and, you know, we didn't even get into Giolito or Kopak or. Dylan Cease is another guy. Is is it kind of like Jerry is still out? Like, what is Enigma. Dylan Cease? Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, because like I figure, okay, you guys definitely won the uh, the uh, Quintana trade yeah. just with Eloy alone at this point. Good hitter, at least. And Dylan Cease, if he's a fifth, a fourth or a fifth starter on a contender, I guess he'll take that for sure too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Cease he's still an interesting study. Like I, you know. You talk about a guy that you're still sort of anxious watching a lot, like his starts. I'm all the 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 road home splits are what you know they're they're staggering, really. And so, you know, at home you feel pretty good. On the road, I'm always like, I don't know what we're gonna get here. And a lot of times it just hasn't been good. I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but the the home ERA, I, I I'm ballparking here. I mean, it's like 1.89 versus six. I mean, it you it's like wow, the chasm is extreme and large. Uh, let's put it that way. So that's a little troublesome. You know, I wonder how much that factors into planning come postseason time. Uh, I don't know how you explain that. I mean, other than, you know, most guys are probably going to pitch better and hit better in their home park. Like, I mean, I get that, but that's a big disparity, you know? And so he is, he's, he's still like sort of, you struggle to figure out exactly what he is or like how good he's going to be. And when is he going to hit that full potential? Sometimes it takes pitches a little bit longer. I mean, it's true. And he's still relatively young. So he's still, you know, maybe breaking through in terms of like figuring it out from start to start. Yeah, definitely. And then they just got uh, rid of or DFA'd Adam Eaton and uh, probably not, I don't know, maybe not really a surprise. He hasn't had a good season. He just came off the injury list, I think. But uh, were you surprised by that move at all or just kind of like, nah? Well, the more I thought about it, not so much, I guess. Uh, I mean, the struggles are are the struggles. You know, I think they figure, why not see if Sheets can kind of play adequately out there and, you know, provide a little bit more power. 
Um, if that's going to be the plan, you know, getting Ingle back obviously makes a big difference too. I mean, now you just knock on wood that he can stay healthy. He's played 11 games this year. I mean, unfortunately there's not a lot in the track record here in, in recent years that tells you Adam Ingle will stay healthy, but I think they, they like those options better right now. And the more you think about it, I don't, I don't know that you can blame them. I never really liked the Eaton signing to begin with. Yeah. I would have preferred Jock Peter, you know, and they look, they offered Jock a contract. They did, right. but they weren't willing to offer something that he was looking for in the offseason, And that was, a full-time position, no split platoon. He didn't want to sit on the bench against lefties. Like he wanted to play, but the Sox did offer him money. I mean, so they, they had their eyes on him. I would have much preferred that route or the Kyle Schwarber route. Unfortunately, Schwarber got hurt. I mean, I, I guess that hamstring is good is more serious than I thought. I mean, it, they were talking like it'll be maybe he might not even come back to season. So who knows? Maybe it depends on where they are in the race. But you look at what Schwarber was doing and how he flipped his season. Uh, I was on that all offseason. I was saying Peterson and Schwarber should be the target. So I never loved the Adam Eaton signing to begin with. But, uh, you know, they squeezed a little out of him there in April. But, you know, just just no results, really. And now I think they figure let's see if Sheets and, and, and Engel can do the job instead. I always remember the uh, the uh, Eaton interview you guys were doing when he when you brought up Larissa. Fair question. I mean, I know in those situations you might not get really an answer from them, or he, they might say, "Oh yeah, he'll be fine." But he was just like, "All right, I'm done." It was yeah, just so. Up on us. It was like it was, right. so, it was so. I think it was one of those things where I was cooking in my kitchen or whatever, and I was like, "Wait, did that just happen? Did he just hang up?" Like it was just super casual. He but just uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Relatively innocuous question. It was about like, hey, do you think LaRusso can relate to young players from today? And right. Like, ah, okay, see you guys. All right. I know. It's one of those things where you probably can't expect that, but you roll with it so easily. You're a pro, so you know how to deal with those things. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, just a few more things. But um, yeah, talking about the splits, I was just thinking about Trevor's story. I don't know that the Sox would get him, but he's another guy. I mean, of course, that's Coors Field, but really kind of extreme splits, I guess. How do you feel about a guy like story in general? Yeah. you know, like he's, and he's never like, he's never played second in the bigs. Now something tells me he could, it, you're playing shortstop. You're the most athletic guy in the field. So you could probably figure it out. Yeah. You'd have to, you know, work on the turn. Cause it's obviously very different. Um, but something tells me Trevor story could figure that out. And, you know, could the white Sox make that work? Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I, I think there's the asking price is probably going to be too high. Um, it's hard to imagine Colorado doing that, like without giving, getting Garrett crochet. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that the white Sox want to do that. I don't know that they feel like they have to, I don't think that they necessarily have to either. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, um, who knows where that story came from? That could have been, Hey, let's leak it to try to get something done quicker with Arizona or, or, or a Pittsburgh you know, where the Sox are just kind of playing the game through the media and all of a sudden those franchises, oh, they're looking at story. Oh, holy shit, we better do something now. You know, I mean, these are the kind of games that happen. I don't know, you know, I don't know how real it ever was or how real it's going to be. It, it seems to me that he, the asking price is probably too high and the Sox know they don't have to panic and they don't have to go out and get Trevor Story right now. Um, there are other options for them that I think make a, a little bit more sense. Now, I, I think Story probably ends up getting moved. You know, I know that they, they said they're not going to budge on Marquez, I guess, but I, like, I think story probably gets moved. Who needs a shortstop is the other thing. I mean, teams that are contending, you know, rarely have to plug a hole at shortstop. I guess Oakland comes to mind. LA doesn't need it. I mean, you know, even though Seager's out, they've got Gavin Lux, they've got an embarrassment of riches in their minor league system. I don't think the Dodgers need to panic or in, or in any hurry. Although, you know, they, they did go out a few years ago and get Machado when, you know, some people thought, well, they don't really have to, they did. You know, but um, 
I, I don't know that that's going to happen either. Um, so who knows? Story might end up staying put, but yeah, I, I, I don't I, I, like it. To me, it doesn't make as much sense for the White Sox, and I think the asking price would probably be a little bit too high. Yeah, if the Sox really wanted him, they could just go at him in the offseason, try to sign yeah. him then. Yeah. With the Sox is, I know it's hard to say that it's July, but is your expectation, is a World Series or bust, or is it just get to the playoffs and advance and see what happens? I, I'd like more than just get to the playoffs because that was last year. You know, even though it was a weird season and everything else, like, you know, you got there, unfortunately, and it kind of quick. Like, I think it's time to start taking steps. I mean, it's easy for me to say now my tune might change in October. We be pissed, but like if they make it to the ALCS, I, I think I'd be pretty happy, you know, but again, that's easy to say in July. Like you're always going to want more if they lose a tough series or they get swept, you know, I'm going to probably be like, Oh, you got to be kidding me to get swept in the ALCS by Boston or Houston or uh, Tampa or whomever, you know, I, I'm sure I'll be a little aggravated and annoyed now, you know, but right, you, yeah. you win a series, like, you know, get to the playoffs here, win a series, Start taking those steps. You know, I like I anything less than a league championship series appearance to me would be a little bit disappointing. But baseball's weird. Baseball's tough. You know, look at the Pirates those those few years. You know, where they got kind of they got stuck playing those wild card games. You know, and they couldn't get over the hump. But yeah, you were talking about a hundred win team, ninety seven win team. Look how long it took the Dodgers to finally break through. What was it like? Was last year the eighth straight division title? Eighth or not? I can't like that. Yeah. Eighth yeah. Walk, right? And yeah. it, it, and you know, the previous seven, when they're winning a hundred games every year, winning the division every year, they couldn't break through and win. I mean, uh, they, they lost a couple of years ago that that tough series in the first round, or I think it was the first round, dude. Yeah, yep. Uh, Nets, and that's, yeah. I mean, it's like they were a hundred something win team, and then they end up losing a game five in their building to the Nats. And it's like, wait, well, wait a minute. It's not supposed to go that way, but Baseball can be weird like that. And uh, I hope that doesn't happen. I think I'd like to see them take a step forward and win a series and maybe two, and that'd be great. But, uh, you know, hopefully they're setting themselves up in this window here where they're there a lot because that's kind of the, that's the idea, right? It is so hard and it is so fluky. Be like the Dodgers, be like the Cubs, you know, be like Boston, get there a lot to give yourself the chance to go on that heater and win one or two. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Just enjoy the ride. I enjoyed the Cubs ride, even though the month of May that or May. Yeah. The month of May before I was like, okay, this probably isn't going to happen, but we'll see. And shifting to the Cubs real fast. So basically I'm asking, <laughs> asking you, do you think the Cubs are basically trading? Or I guess I, I, I'll put it this way. Do you think all of Baez, Bryant, Kimbrell, Rizzo are traded? Or do you think it's more like like most of them i think kimbrell definitely gets moved i think kimbrell's i think kimbrell's a i mean all right let's let's not go 100 because like you should never deal in absolutes fine i think kimbrell is 99 um i think brian's probably 97 percent to be honest i mean i i would be surprised if those guys are here on august 1st on july 31st this year rizzo i think will stay I mean, I, I, you know, I think bias probably says like, what's the trade value right now? You know, are the Cubs happy with like a low level beat prospect for one of those guys, or does it just make more sense to keep them tender them? If they lose them in free agency, get a compensatory pick, you know, like for as much fun as Javi Baez is and as great as his defense is, there are a lot of flaws in his game. I mean, there just are, there are the occasional brain farts on the base paths or defensively, 
there are the offensive issues and yeah, he hits a lot of home runs. Um, and that's great. I mean, and he plays with a ton of style and a ton of flash and he'll sell some tickets and he is fun and he's a super athlete to watch. I mean, he really is, but Javi Baez, his career on base percentage is 302. Uh, Javi Baez's career OPS plus is 103, meaning he is 3% better than an average major league hitter. I mean, these are the facts folks and people don't like hearing that, but that's a fact. And I don't think teams are bending over backwards to give up a level prospects or even, uh, you know, maybe their fifth prospect or sixth prospect for a rental player with all the, the offensive holes that Javi has, you know, I mean, I just, I, I think there's a little bit more likelihood that those guys stay Cubs could tender them and, and figure it out from there. If they lose them. They can sign them, you know, great. If they lose them, they get picks and I, but I, I'd be pretty shocked if Kimbrough and, uh, and Brian are here yeah. on July 3rd. That's how I feel. Yeah. With Baez, I'm at the point now where, like you said, great fielder, intangibles. I mean, we saw him outsmart Pittsburgh that game, but yeah, the yeah. offense is what it is. He can have a little bit more on Pittsburgh, well, kind of yeah, like, definitely. You know, I can't remember who was playing first that game, but it's like, what are, you know, I mean, that's like, that's literally that stuff. Insane. I mean, you know, yeah. It's just, he'll have like a two week stretch where he's the best hitter in baseball or more than likely just strikes out all the time all you know too much and it's just at this point i'm thinking unless even if he you know his next contract takes a huge hit depending on how much of a hit that is i'm not sure the cubs would even want to you know bring him back they might just be like i mean sure they love him but it's like how much do we really want to give a guy who's just going to keep striking out a ton like i i don't know what he thinks he's worth at this point i mean there was a there was a time where it looked like he might be a 200 million dollar player i mean anybody that gives Javi Baez, $200 million. Like you'd have to, you'd have to have your head checked. I'm sorry. Now, could you, if the Cubs signed him to a five-year $100 million deal, uh, now that might be complete nonsense on the opposite end of the spectrum too. He might be like, they're not taking a hundred million dollars, but you know, would that deal make sense for the Cubs? Sure. That deal would. Javi's still going to be a fan favorite. It's still going to sell tickets. The Cubs third and, you know, Fangraphs just did their Cubs organizational ranking. Their third and fourth best prospects are shortstops. Ed Howard's one of them, but they're 18 and 19 years old. I mean, they're not projected to reach the big leagues until 2023 and 2024. Now they could change that depending on how they play, but that was Fangraphs projection. And so there, there could be some sense in, you know, let's bring back copy for four or five more years at 20 million a year, or 22 million a year. Like, could that make some sense? Yeah, I suppose it could. Um, if he's willing to do that, but yeah, like I, I look the idea that he's a two or $250 million player. I mean, I think clearly that ship has sailed on after the last two seasons. Yeah. And I think you guys were talking about Contreras earlier and yeah. you know, he's got kind of the, the control with him, but after this year, free agent after next season. And I don't know that he would get traded or not. Uh, I think he'll maybe, stay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking so too, especially at the deadline, maybe in the off season. I don't know at that point. I'm not so sure. But, Although there's um, some intrigue with him because you do have more control. I mean, that could yeah. be, you know, like the flip side would be a team might be willing to pay a little bit more in terms of return because you've got a little bit more control on Wilson Contreras. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, that was pretty much all I had. I also wanted to say, I hope your your foot or uh, ankle was getting better. Uh, yeah. A little, little I have in the fifth metatarsal. So, so basically, all birds in basketball do not mix. I have all birds too. I oh, love all birds. I like but... four pairs of all birds, but don't play. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a few pairs too, so I, that's good to know that I should not be playing basketball in all Weird birds. And 
Also, I have to say, who's the douche? The segment on Carmen and Yurko was hilarious. I was cracking up at that because uh, I love Merkin too. I've had him on. He's awesome. I love his stories, but I love how you guys kind of give it, you know, whether Tim or all of you guys in general, give it to each other. And uh, that was just great between him and Meller, the whole sandwich thing. Yeah. And I loved, I just love the uh, snooze you lose from Merkin to Meller. Like, oh, well, too late. <laughs> that's a rough dig for Merk, you know, like, that's it. Sorry, buddy. You snooze, you lose. You're not getting the sandwich. It's like, whoa, Merk. He's, he's uh, really not that vindictive. It was, uh, it was something. But yeah, we, we like to bust each other's balls a lot. It, that's what makes it fun. Yeah, it's always fun. I uh, really appreciate you coming on, chatting Chicago baseball. Hope you have a good rest of the night. And, uh, Watch some NBA Finals action. Yeah, there you go. Just going to say, I know your socks are off. So there you go. Watch the NBA Finals. Well, let's watch the Finals. All right. Well, appreciate it. You got it, buddy. Three, two, one, zero, zero, and liftoff.